Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job by investing in real estate, by having a side hustle, by being a freelancer, by any means possible. And today, I am super pumped to bring on a fantastic expert who's going to show us the four steps that we need to do in order to achieve anything in life. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Super pumped, as always, to have you here on the show with me. Now, I absolutely love having the show, and I have love having you here with me. Now, I learn so much from all these entrepreneurs. Like, I'll be completely honest, a lot of the people that I bring on, I know, like, 90% of what they're saying, and I ask questions. I want them to share things that I might already know, but you might not know, but at the same time, I get fantastic guests that bring on, like maybe I might already know 90% of what they're saying, but I learn from every single person that I made. Even if I know 95% of what they're saying, I can still learn from that 5%. That's why I love having the show. In fact, the Successfully Unemployed show is all basically a passion project because you guys know I got my financial freedom through real estate investing. I love real estate investing. I love business in general, but that's not the only way to get financial independence. There's so many other ways. And so that's why with this passion project of interviewing so many awesome people who have found hundreds and hundreds of ways, like all these people, hundreds of people finding ways to become financially independent. There's no one right way, but there's a right way for you. And that's why I bring on so many new guests, because even though you might have already heard it before, there's a different take, there's a different spin, a different twist that you or I will learn. Now, I love learning. And so that's why I'm always asking questions, even though I might believe I know the answer, my way might not be the right way, might not be the best way. It's probably a way. It could be a good way, but there's always going to be a better way. And so I'm always searching and striving for that. Now, today's episode, I'm super pumped to bring on this expert who has, I mean, he's a real estate investor. He even has a job because he likes to work. He loves his job and he does really, really well there too. And he's also a real estate investor and he has created the four steps that we need to take in order to achieve anything. And after going through this interview with him, they were literally ringing a bell. Like all four of these, like, man, these are brilliant things that we all need to learn. We need to implement these into our lives. And plus, he even gave us more steps on how to do even more things, not just to achieve everything, but also how to make sure we're making good investments, how to make sure we're spending our time wisely. We're getting so much great insights. And it's also no secret that we are absolutely in a recession right now. It's it's definitely getting started. But what's funny is, People are still spending money as if we weren't in a reception. You know, I don't see people being affected like they normally would be if there was a recession. So it's telling me like the sentiment is what you know, they use that word sentiment, like the overall people in the economy, they're feeling like everything's still fine. But man, when you're paying like 
triple what he would for a gallon of gas. When food is just skyrocketed in price, everything else is going up. Give you example, like if there's a recession, people need to live somewhere and I provide great housing for them at a good rate so that they can rent a property. If they can't own a property, then they're gonna rent because they're gonna live somewhere. So that's what I provide. So what I am so pumped up and excited for us as investors, as business owners, is if we strategically place ourselves, we can actually make so much more money when we have a recession. I am so excited that I'm gonna be able to buy so many new real estate rental properties. I'm gonna be able to buy so many apartment complexes and so many great things because in a recession, when people are afraid to buy, that's when prices come down, which means I'm gonna buy more properties and make more money. So you should be looking forward to the recession, well, not necessarily. I mean, people are gonna have a bad time. That's absolutely for sure. But you need to be preparing right now for a recession. Cut your expenses, get out of debt, save money for investing, save money for your business, and strategically think about, hey, if my business is going to help somebody in recession, what could I do to help somebody who's in a recession? If you do that, you're gonna make so much money. And I am super pumped to bring on my expert. He has his own podcast called Ice Cream with Investors. He is a great investor himself and a great mindset person. And we need to change our mindset. He's going to help us do it. I have Matt Four with me on the show today. All right, here we go. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Man, this is terrific. So I was on your podcast, which is a great podcast. Everybody needs to check it out as well. And when we were talking, I was like, man, you would be, you would be fantastic to be on Successfully Unemployed on top of this. So Matt, tell us a little bit about what you do to provide for your family. Like how, how are you able to make money to provide for yourself and your family without working that dead-end J-O-B? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll frame it up a little bit and give a little history. So in my professional life, I spent a decade, over a decade in sales and sales leadership roles in technology. Uh, and part of why I got involved in real estate was that I was part of a large net new acquisition of a $10 million net new logo. And Dustin, when I saw the commission check that I was going to get on this, my mouth started salivating in terms of how I was going to spend this, invest it, and set myself up for future generations of success. And then I got the faithful call the week of Christmas from my VP at the time. And this is not the company I work for today, but the, the company I used to work for that said, hey, we're not going to pay you that commission check. We're only going to give you two cents on the dollar. And I remember at that time thinking like, wait a second, how did we come up with this number? And the answer I got back was, Matt, how much money have you made this year? Isn't that enough? And I knew at that what? point to, to, to do the things that I wanted to do I'm with sorry my to life. laugh in the middle of your story. That is literally ridiculous. Okay, sorry, keep going. That's yep. just ridiculous. Yep. So to do the things that I wanted to do in my life, give back to the causes that I cared about and pursue the passions that I had in life, I was going to have to find a way to invest my money, to let it work harder for me than I did for it. So ultimately, I um, during that process of seeing this commission check, thinking that I was going to get it and figuring out different ways to invest, I went down the rabbit hole of finding real estate. Um, it made a lot of sense to me. You get some tax benefits, cash flow appreciation. With this kind of commission check, I could have gone and bought a couple of different properties in cash alone. And I, I thought that I was dead set on that. And then I got that call. So happy to take it from there. But uh, that's how my real estate journey really began. My goodness. I you, I mean, could you go to your boss and say, hey, boss, didn't the company make enough this year? I mean, that's that's a little excessive. Like, could you just increase what I, no, that's just stupid. We agreed on this contract or basically I'm getting paid for what I produce. 
and you're reneging on that. That's just absolutely, that's, that's absolutely ludicrous, man. That, that, that infuriates me for you, man. So they pay you pennies on the dollar. Basically, instead of lots and lots of money, you get a fraction, like literally a fraction of that. And then that wakes you up. So with that, what, what were you, so it's, it's real estate investing on top of, um, like you have your own podcast. Like it seems like you have multiple streams of income. Is that also something that in, I guess, has the idea of not working for somebody else, but like creating multiple passive income streams? Yeah. So I, uh, like I said, I was already down this journey. So I, I decided to go into real estate investing and started scaling out the portfolio and was able to um, basically hit the two comma club and be quote unquote financially free within three years. But part of that journey too was really getting involved in many different areas of the real estate. So multifamily syndication, single family, burrs, flips, notes, did all of those, got involved in a little bit of online businesses as well. And through that process, I started to think, wait a minute, I need to come up with a framework really to try to understand these investment opportunities that are hitting my desk every single day. And Dustin, I have an opportunity problem. And it's not that I have can't find any opportunities. It's that I have too many opportunities hitting my desk. So I decided to come up with a framework to figure out like, hey, how can I understand any type of investment? And then how can I set a criteria to understand whether that's good investment or a bad investment? That's great. And that's something that Honestly, as I was creating Master Passive Income, which I was coaching friends and family members, like literally friends from church, family members, and really teaching them how to invest in real estate, I had to come up with what I knew instinctively, like because I had my business, I've been doing it for, I don't know, five, six, maybe even eight years. And I knew what I was doing, but then I had to actually put it on paper because if I'm teaching somebody, they don't have the like extinct, or, uh, instinct as well as the history that I have to know, hey, this is a good deal, this is not. So I had to put criteria in, especially when I'm teaching people and people are wanting me to coach them how to do it. I literally had to give them criteria because they didn't understand. Like they just couldn't grasp it. But giving them criteria was just a super helpful thing. Now, when you're talking about criteria, is this criteria for real estate investing alone or is it also financial freedom? Like what's, what's the criteria that you're talking about? It's about how to understand any investment. So as I continue down this rabbit hole, I mean, I learned about crypto. I learned about tax-free municipal bonds. I learned about annuities, life insurance, real estate, online businesses, Amazon FBA, just all of these different niches that you could go down. Um, so it's really a criteria to like understand when somebody says, hey, you should invest money in this because it's going to give you X, Y, and Z. How do you even understand what they're even offering you? That makes a lot of sense. So I'll give you a quick example of the, uh, the investment that is a possibility right now, I've heard that this new type of investment or this this investment is basically you get life insurance and then the bank owns the life insurance or it's 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 called Kaizen. This is, so this, I'm like literally running you through this opportunity, quote unquote opportunity, not saying it's bad or not. It's just an opportunity. So you put $50,000 in every single year for five years. And then when you retire, when you're 65, you get like $125,000 a year for I don't know, 25 years or something like that. Anyway, it's it's a lot more to do with that. But I was thinking, okay, that sounds great. Like when I retire, $125,000 just tax-free coming in. But then I thought $50,000 that I'm going to be paying into this every single year, what else could I do with that $50,000? I Could I put it into a syndication where I even get depreciation on my money, where it makes I look like I make less. I make money every single quarter from that syndication. And then when we sell the property in five years, I might get like triple my money back. So those types of things are going through my brain. And it sounds like you have something that would help me in this. So could, could you walk me through this criteria for investment opportunities? 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll nerd out about that after the recording too, by the way, because I, I'm a kind of financial geek and I love learning about different ways to maximize your capital and to get all these different benefits on it. So we'll nerd out about it afterwards. But here's the net of it is um, I decided that where my investment strategy was going to be was that I was going to try to find cash flow generating assets that appreciate over time that have some sort of native tax advantage to them. And if I could go acquire leverage on it to accelerate my returns, then that was okay, but it wasn't necessarily a criteria. But what I came up with though, is the four method. So whenever somebody comes to you with an opportunity to invest, whether it's crypto, bonds, FBA, business, or real estate, you need to be asking yourself four questions. The first one is financial liquidity. So what is the liquidity of this investment? And the liquidity basically means how fast can you sell this asset and get the market rate for it? Not a distressed sale. How fast can you get the market rate for it? And so an example I like to give is like water. If you take water and put it in a cup and put it on the table and you pour it over, that is a very liquid investment. Water goes everywhere, right? But if you take that same cup of water and you stick it in the freezer for a couple hours and then come back and put it on the table and knock it over, nothing comes out. That's an illiquid investment. So when you're looking at your different uh, investment opportunities, the first thing you need to ask is, is this an investment that is financially liquid or not? And again, I, I want to clarify something. I'm not here to tell you what the answer should be on this, right? If you want illiquid assets, that's okay. There's a cost to that, and maybe there's a better return for that. If you are in a position where you need liquidity, then you need to consider that as well. But the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what is the financial liquidity of it? I love the idea of having liquid assets. And what they, like this one particular thing, they'll say, well, you can get loans against it. This not necessarily makes it liquid, but you can have access to it. But I love the idea of having something liquid or being able to access it. Like if you put it into your money into a CD, and I want to pause for a quick second and share that honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate. Get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job. I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. That sits for 24 months, 48 months, or whatever it might be, you're going to get problems when you take it out. Like you're going to, they're going to um, get penalties and all that sort of stuff. Or if you're buying something that is literally just, you can't sell it, that that's going to be really hard. So the liquidity I think is fantastic. And I, that's why I love real estate so much is it's really liquid. We could literally sell it if we really, really needed to. So that's one. Now, what else are we looking for? Yeah. So the second is ownership. So we're going F-O-R-E. F was financial liquidity. The second one is ownership. And ownership really means about like, what is your stake of ownership? And then where do you sit in the capital stack? So what percentage of this property, of this stock, of this Bitcoin, of this annuity, whatever you're trying to buy, do I actually own in it? And who sits in front of me in the capital stack? 
So when I look at ownership, there's two different types of ownership. There's debt and then there's equity. Debt is going to be senior to equity, meaning if something bad happens, they're going to get prioritized in the capital stack. But there's limited upside to that. Usually in exchange for debt and that kind of security, you're going to get a fixed payment. Equity is where you can really accelerate your growth, but you're going to sit further down the, uh, the capital stack. So again, I'm not here to tell someone that they should be debt or equity. I'm saying that when somebody comes to you with an investment, understand, is this a debt and equity? Is this a debt investment or is this an equity investment? And who sits in front of me in the capital stack? I think that's great too, because it different, different investments are great for either one. Like I love owning things. I, I love actually having equity, but at the same time, I make a lot of money just like banks do when you lend money out and it's a loan. And obviously you have first recourse or first, I don't know if it's recourse, but like you get the money first, like if there's a problem, um, like you said, and with that, I like making money just interest, but I don't have any ownership. So I can't sell it at a premium. Like if, it, if the value goes up or anything like that. So there's different times at which you would actually want either, a, you know, giving it as a loan and getting equity. So that's terrific. Okay. So what's next? All right. So we've gone through financial liquidity ownership. The next is returns. And when we're talking about returns, I'm asking everybody to think about three things. When am I getting a return? How frequent am I getting that return? And then how much am I getting as a return? And when we think about the type of return that we're getting in the how much category, we need to really be thinking about, is this a return of my capital or is this a return on my capital? And so an example I'll give you here is like a mortgage. A mortgage, you are getting both. You're getting a little bit of a return on your capital in terms of an interest payment, but you're also getting a return of your capital in a principal payment as well. So in some types of investments, you get a return of your capital like in an ATM investment, you're getting return of your capital over and over and over again, or you're getting a return on your capital, which means that your capital stays invested in that particular asset, and then you're getting a return basically on that capital. Why this is important is because there are lots of different investment structures out there where you're going to get paid on your capital, or uh, yeah, you're going to get paid on your capital over the long term. And then there's plenty of them where you're getting a return of your capital and your equity stake diminishes over time, which means that your return percentage will diminish over time. So just two things to really understand when you're thinking about returns is when are you getting those returns? How frequent and how much? And then how are you getting that return? Is it a return of capital or on your capital? And this is the reason why I do real estate investing is because and buying single family homes, or I like them, I like calling them residential. So four units and below. And I love apartment complexes. Don't get me wrong. I love doing a passive investing where I just give somebody my money and get equity and I make money. But when I have passive income from my rental properties, I literally don't work. My homes work and they make me money and the property managers manages those properties. So I literally don't do a thing, which is great for me, but I get paid every single month. And what's great about that is my bills come every single month. So I can make sure I'm counting for those bills before they even come because I already know what I'm going to be making when I build my business, buy the property so that I know I'm going to make $250 or more. From there, I have my bills taken care of. So I think that's a great strategy. On top of that, you know, how frequent is it going to be? So 100%, I love the idea of making money on your money on top of it, not just getting your return on your money. 
That's right. That's right. And I love that you're really honing in on the frequency piece as well. And we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But like cash flow is the number one thing I invest for. And I think it's easy to bury stick money in the ground and bury it into a development deal. And then five years later, you're going to get your ba- money back plus a huge chunk of change. But my bills are still due, still due every month, right? I'm still going to have to pay my electricity, my mortgage and things like that. So uh, it's important to understand when you're going to get those returns as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what was the acronym again? Uh, so it's four. We talked through financial liquidity, ownership, returns, and then the last one is effort. And Dustin, this is the thing I don't think that we as content creators or people are out there talking enough about is that when you're looking at investment, you need to understand your level of an effort that's going to be needed to make that investment successful. And when I'm thinking about this, I think there's an active or a passive side or there's a mental or a physical side of it. So an active or a passive, I think it's pretty simple. If you wanna make huge returns, you're probably gonna to have to have more active stake in that those opportunities to making them work. But some of us like to prioritize other things in our lives, whether they be family, whether they be Ironman, I'm an Ironman triathlete, so I love being physical and, and hosting podcasts and doing things like that. So I would rather be on the path, I would rather give up returns to be more passive in a stake in in an investment. But then if you are going to be active, what level of activity are you going to have? Are you going to have a mental level of activity where you're thinking about systems, you're underwriting processes and things like that? Or are you going to have a physical stake in making sure that this is successful, which means that you are creating the website, you are putting shovels in the ground, you are swinging hammers inside of a fix and flip property, et cetera. So again, I would like to say that a lot of people, when they're thinking about investments and trying to understand investments, they really aren't thinking about the level of effort they need to be successful. And that's one of the things that I'm out there trying to talk more and more about is your intentionality in life depends on where you're spending your energy. And if it's all spent on being um, making investments successful, that might not be the best and highest use of your time. Also for me, and thinking about this, how much effort comes out, put, is put out. So when I buy a residential home, you know, four units and below, it's it's literally so little work. I've done it so many times. It's like the back of my hand, I, or my, my brain as well. I know what to do. It's super simple. And that's why I'm able to coach it because it's just, it's, it's, I've done it so many times, but when it comes to buying an apartment complex, something that's 50, a hundred units or 200, like bigger ones, I've never done that before. It's going to be a lot more effort on my end. And I thought, you know what? I got extra money because of my businesses are doing well. Let me put that money into a syndication, which I'm giving somebody else the money. They're going to do all the effort. They're going to do all that stuff. And I can just sit back and get quarterly payments from them as well as when we sell, we're going to actually make good money because hopefully we're selling for an increase. And so I love the idea of counting the opportunity costs as well and seeing what is how much it's going to come out of your pocket. Now, I love the metaphor, the four metaphor, which obviously is your last name, F-O-R-E. Now, when I'm coaching, there's two things that I would normally go through with my students. There's two things, and maybe you can help me to understand what your thoughts are on these. Number one are your goals. So that's the other thing is what are your goals? What do you want to achieve for me? I wanted to stop working for somebody else. I wanted to be successfully unemployed. So that heavily led into why I went down the route of cash flow. The other one is risk tolerance. And a lot of people are totally risk averse. They hate risk. They, my wife hated risk. In fact, she was raised by her dad was a teacher and her mom was a stay at home mom. So they were like, don't do anything risky at all. I'm the opposite. I'm like as risky as we could probably get. And so 
uh, not everybody's like me and not everybody's like my wife. And so there's a whole bunch of different understandings that we have to learn about ourselves. And on top of that, our goals and risk tolerances. So what are your thoughts about those? Yeah. So a couple of different things. First, I'll take the risk tolerance. I think it's important to be um, risk adverse or at least understand the risk. I, there's a quote that I'm going to butcher out there that's like, courage is fully understanding the risk and still continuing to walk into the fire or walk into the bad situation because you understand the risk and you see the outcomes or the different ways that you can escape. Stupidity looks like courage because you're still walking into the fire, you're walking into the battle, but you haven't taken a, a, sense, a step back to understand the risk and understand the exit plans. So I think especially, look, we're recording this at the end of 2022. I think the next year and a half is going to be a bit choppy in the economy and a lot of different things. So I'm not saying that I, I will still invest, right? Specifically, I'll still invest in real estate because my timeline is the next decades of my life, right? It's the end of my life. Um, so I think that real estate always goes up into the right, as long as you give it enough time period for it, enough time for it, but it's important to understand the risk as we enter these next choppy waters, um, around goals. I could not agree with you more. Um, I have, I do Ironman. I do podcasting. I have a personal commitments in my life. I, I still have other things that I'm interested in, but the first thing is clarity and being clear on what's important for you. Where do you want to spend your time? What are you trying to achieve out of the actions that you want? Because again, I had a boss say this to me one time, which I thought was phrased brilliantly. I will never be mad at the decision that you make or the outcome of that decision, as long as you were intentional with that decision. And we have very few years on this earth, a very limited time. It's more important to me that I help people see and achieve their highest intentional life more than anything else. So to your point around goals, I think it's super, super important that we're clear on where we want to go. I love the idea too, that what your boss said, basically, like, as long as you're intentional, like the outcome and all that sort of stuff, those are, those happen. Like sometimes you don't see it coming like something that happens. Um, there was a story that I heard, I don't remember which company or who, which boss it was, but in a sense, essentially, I'll just tell you what it is. So a big company and the CEO had somebody over a project and the project it failed and he tried his hardest, but it failed. And he lost like, I don't know, $10 million, 20 million, like a lot of money that you'd be like thinking, Oh my goodness, that CEO would count him so fast. And the CEO said, okay, so what did you learn? As he's talking to the guy, obviously he's not happy that he they lost 10, 20, however many millions of dollars. But in the end, like, what did you learn as well as what is the next steps? Like, what do we do from here? And can we fix anything? So he's asking questions. And then the employee says, man, I thought I would get fired. I thought I'd get canned. And he goes, if I fired you, that made, that would mean that 10 million or $20 million, that is just thrown away. This $20 million is a $20 million lesson that you learned that hopefully it will never happen again. Now, if it happens again, you're gone. So hopefully this is a lesson that we are all going to learn from. So we never do it again and make even more money from it. So I think that's, that's brilliant. I love it. And the reason why I got involved in real estate is because of the commission check, right? I was supposed to get a life-changing commission check, ultimately didn't get it. And when I started getting involved in real estate, I come from a family where my father is entrepreneurial and my mother was um, PhD and administrator and the school systems and things like that. So she went down the the schooling route. And I remember my mom having the conversation with me like, hey, that's risky. We just got out of 2008 and 2010 and all those time periods that were very, very rough. And I'm like, you got to understand that if I lose this $42,000 down payment I just put on this house 
it it pales in comparison to how much I just lost from trying to follow the safe path. So I call it the best money I've ever spent because I got an MBA accelerated in business systems, learning how to make good sound investments. So uh, yeah. I agree. And when I was on your show talking about my history, I found out the hard way that is so much more risky to put my life and my livelihood and my family's livelihood in somebody else's hands, even the government. You know, obviously we think government's secure, nobody gets fired, but I got laid off. It just, it was taken away from me. And looking back now, that was so much more risky putting my life in somebody else's hands. It was so much better when I took it into my own hands. Now, of course, we've never done that before. We're not taught how to do that. But once you are taught, that's why we have this show and your show, like we're trying to help people to realize that there are other ways to make money. Now, you were also, we were talking about how we can also, like you train for an Ironman, like there's how to make sure that we're mentally ready to be able to take on all this stuff. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I uh, the other framework I came up with was like four steps on how to achieve anything. And we just touched on the first one, which is clarity. And the only thing I would add to clarity is that we think decisions in our life are binary. There's a right and a left, a one and a, a zero, a yes and a no. But what we don't think about is the fact that when we make a decision, it puts us on a different route that limits our options to a, a fewer decisions that we can make. And what I would encourage everyone to do is before they get uh, start going down the path of whatever path they're going on is that they're clear on where they wanna go so that they know what to say yes to, but more importantly, and this is coming up more and more for me, it seems like knowing what to say no to. Because when you say yes to something that you wanted to say no to, there's the time commitment of actually doing it, but there's a mental barrier of knowing that you have to do it and knowing that it's on your calendar and things like that. So our first step is really clarity. The next one is consistency. And I think over a long enough time period, consistency will always beat talent. The example I give here is that I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I think we can agree Kobe Bryant was one of the best players of all time, right? He's 30,000 points, 18-time All-Star, 15-time first NBA, and most importantly, five-time NBA championship, five-time NBA champion. And when Kobe Bryant was drafted in 1996, he was drafted 13th that year. And there's a picture I love of Kobe Bryant where he's in the gym with a broken right hand. He's a, he's was right-handed. And he's playing with his left. He's like a man that's going to get his reps in consistency consistently, regardless of what's going on out there. And I'll contrast that with Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was unbelievably talented. I grew up in Virginia. He was in the, the um, Piedmont area over in Norfolk. And you always heard about the scholarships he got for football and basketball. And he went to Georgetown to play basketball. He scored 24,000 points in the NBA, 11-time All-Star, seven-time at first-time, first-team NBA, just as good as Kobe Bryant, but zero NBA championships. And how do we remember Allen Iverson? How I remember Allen Iverson is practice. We talk about practice. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the year after he lost the NBA championship to Kobe Bryant, the only time he made it to NBA championships in his career, the media was berating him like, you're late to practice. The coach says you don't care. And he's like, I'm the franchise player. Why are we talking about practice? A guy whose talent outran him, right? He came to his dead end. So what I would say here is that um, consistency matters more than talent. And when you're thinking about your life, think about those five-minute tasks that you can commit to consistently that move you towards that goal that you created in your clarity phase. When I think about Ironman, 
Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run on a single day, on a single event, just a glutton for punishment. No one was born to do that. Like you have to wake up every single day and put in your little consistent reps. So if it's real estate, uh, analyze a property every day, call a realtor every day, take a, watch a YouTube course every single day, put $5 from your checking account into your savings account every single day. Build those consistent habits because habits will outlast motivation over the long run. People might say that somebody, or let's say if they, they're looking at me and see that I built my business. I started in 2006 investing in real estate before the crash, as well as during the crash, I, I even made more money because I was buying the right properties, making cash flow. Anyways, they might look at me and say, hey, you got lucky. Like, well, no, I didn't necessarily get lucky. What I did was I found out that the more I prepared, the more I practiced, the more I actually just consistently kept moving forward, the better things got. Maybe you can call it luck, but if I wasn't in that position to capitalize on that quote unquote luck, then I would not be here. It's because I put in, okay, so we have clarity, we have consistency, and what's next? The next one is efficiency. So I like to have, I have the saying out there, get going and then get good. Consistency is the get going phase. Efficiency is the get getting good phase. So when you're thinking about consistency, it's about doing something every day that moves you towards your goal. Efficiency starts redefining that to doing the right thing every single day towards your goal. And there's some people out there that are listening to this that are like, I don't understand fully everything about real estate, so I'm not going to get involved. But I think efficiency, once you do your first deal, you can start being more efficient on, I wish I would have done this different. I learned this lesson and all that kind of stuff. So again, I'm going to take it back to Ironman since that's near and dear to my heart and running. It, it, you cannot run 26 hours in a day, right? There's only 24 hours in a day. You can't run 26 hours in a day. So I'm going to have to get efficient with how much I run, whether that's stretching, whether that's doing intervals, whether that's doing hill work, all of those sorts of things. It's about being efficient. So in finance, this could be, you know, doing things like infinite banking that you were talking about earlier that we're going to nerd out about earlier later. It's It could be finding more efficient vehicles to do your um, investing. It could be leveraging the tax benefits of real estate so that your income is more efficient. It's not how, how much money you make, it's how you make that money sort of thing. Um, so it's all about that getting good phase, not the necessary, after you get going, getting good. Totally agree with that. And you know, there's a saying, practice makes perfect, which I really love that saying. Some people change it and they say, no, right practice makes perfect, which I agree with them both. But if I don't practice, if I don't have the consistency, then I can't figure out what is the right way to do it because I'm a learner and everybody should be learners. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're an investor, if you want to, if you're listening to the show, you need to be somebody who is a constant learner. And on top of that, not just learning, but implementing that to where your movements become more efficient, figuring out how to do things better. I like Olympic lifting. That's you know snatch and clean and jerk. You see those on the uh, Olympics. I personally do that. I love to do that. I do it five days a week because I want to get better at that. And it makes me feel better when I do it. But at the same time, I'm trying to make my form better. I'm trying to lift more properly, be more efficient. Because like you said, there's only so many hours in a day. You can't add more to it. And there's only so much you could beat up your body. And if you do it in the right way, the more efficient way, it's absolutely the right way to go. Okay, so what is the last step to being able to achieve anything? All right, so we're clear on our goals. We're doing consistent actions. We're efficient now with our actions. The last one is compounding. And I don't think this gets enough credibility as well. Compounding of results. Results equals times, times volume. So you need time. You also need volume. 
at a certain point, we cannot stuff the machine full of more volume. We have to just let time work itself out. And so uninterrupted compounding is one of the most underrated uh, keys to success over the long term that I think a lot of people don't talk about. I'll give you this stat. I, I just got done reading The Psychology of Money. I don't know if you've read it. Fantastic book. But at the time of writing that, Warren Buffett had a $58.2 billion net worth or something like that. $57 billion of that was made after the age of like 65 or something like that. So it's crazy. He's got this chart in there that shows Warren Buffett, you know, made his first million by 30. If he would have retired by 45, no one would have ever heard of the cat. He didn't make a billion dollars until he was like 50. And now all of a sudden, 95 years old, 97, however old he is, he's one of the richest people of all time after giving it all away. And so it was basically trying to make this point of the reason Warren Buffett was successful was because he was an above average investor, but there are plenty of those who just had more time in the game than everyone else. So I'm still looking for a good analogy. If you got one out there on compounding and learning how to communicate this, but compounding, you just have to let time take its course sometimes. Well, I think it was Albert Einstein said, there's nothing more impressive or amazing than compounding interest. Like you put your money in the bank and you make money on that interest and just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So just compounding in general, where it's the, I, all, I love the idea of volume too. I'll give you an example. So I do a workout called Murph. And Murph is a CrossFit type of workout where you do 100 pull-ups, then 200 push-ups, and then 300 air squats, and you wear a 20-pound vest while you're doing all that. And before you do all the, that movement, you run a mile. And then after the, work, the movements, all the things you just said, you run another, another mile. It takes a long time. So I'll give you an example with that. The pull-ups are really, I mean, you have to, that's not a movement most people do every day in their life, a pull-up. They don't. And so what I've been decided to do was I need to increase the volume, even though it kills me. Like instead of trying to knock out all 100 at one time, I'm going to maybe do like 120, but I'm going to break it up multiple times during the day. Like I'm going to just get the volume up. And so with compounding, what I found is that now I literally do 20 pull-ups in a row and do two or three sets of that because I've just been able to compound like for three or four months, just constantly doing it over and over again. Before, I would do like five. I'd be like, oh man, this is horrible. Now I could do 20 because it's just compounded on top of the, how much time and effort I put into it. So I love all these. What else? I mean, we're wrapping up, but before we wrap up, what other wisdom or what other insights that you can give us? Because we want to be able to accomplish these things. Like if you want to be successful and employed, or if you want to start a business, that's going to be helping people. Like, Is there any other wisdom that you can share with us? Someone said this to me today, so this will be the first time I'm ever saying it, but they said, make it better, don't make it perfect. And so the thing I guess I would leave everybody with is when we're thinking about the things that we want in our life, it's so hard to get started sometimes because we want to be at the end state already. So you wanted to do 100 pull-ups, but maybe you couldn't do one at the time, but you knew that if you wiggled your feet and, and groaned and moaned and finally got that one, that it would lead to two, that it would lead to three. And so I think it's really important that you set a vision for your life, but most importantly, think about the next thing that you can do in a five minute task that you start doing every single day, whether it's a pull-up, whether it's stretching, whether it's investing money, and you will be shocked if you just let that compound over time, what you can achieve. I started the podcast a year and a half ago, almost two years now. And I did it because I knew I wanted to get better at communicating over the, the podcast medium because I thought that we were all going to be going virtual and communicating over camera and things like that. 
But now looking back on it, first of all, I can't listen to the first couple of podcasts because they're just so bad uh, in terms of audio and you not knowing what you don't know. But the skill set has evolved and I great get to meet great people like you. And I've just seen my net worth and my um, relationship capital just grow exponentially. So I guess that's the only thing I would I would leave people with is it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better. So think about being better, not perfect. I love that idea. And perfection actually stops us at times. Like we start to procrastinate because it's not perfect. We don't want to. I personally... I like getting grand slams. Like perfect would be a grand slam. Like everything's everything's perfect. It was making the most money and all that sort of stuff. But singles and doubles are great too. So that gets you on base. That gets you to score. So love it. Now, Matt, you give us so much great insights. They need to check out your podcast. Check out, check out everything that you're doing. How can people find you online? Yeah, so a couple of different ways. So one, the show is called Ice Cream with Investors. And the reason why we call it that is because I felt like in 2020, we were in a pessimistic world and I uh, just felt like who's pessimistic when they're talking about and thinking about ice cream. So ice cream with investors, go check us out. Um, you can go to icecreamwithinvestors.com. We're developing the, the website right now. So you make it better, not perfect. So there's a little link to reach out to me there, or you can go find me on LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm most active. Matt, Four, you'll see my ugly face up there smiling from Nashville, Tennessee. I love connecting with people. I love talking about finance, anything real estate related. So uh, come check us out. Love it, Matt. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successfully unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. Yeah.